Welcome to Sausage on a Fork, a podcast dedicated to the UK's longest-running children's drama programme, Grange Hill. My name's Neil, and in each episode, I'll interview a former cast member about their life before, during and after their time on the programme. So welcome to the latest episode of Sausage on a Fork, and I am absolutely delighted to say that I have been joined by none other than Desmond Askew, who played Richard here. I don't know if anyone knew Richard's surname was here, but that's what I've been told it was, Richard here. So Desmond, welcome to Sausage on a Fork. Nice to see you. Brilliant. Thank you for coming on. But what we'll do, Desmond, is we'll start the way we start every episode. And if you can just tell us how you first got into acting. Uh, right, yeah, I was eight years old, and uh, I, I, you know, I was after school one day, and my mum worked afternoons, and uh, so I got a call from my mum in work, and you know, uh-huh. she's uh, just says to me she'd seen this ad for a, an agency, which was the Sylvia Young Youngins Agency, uh-huh. uh, and she said that you know, would I like to do modelling? I think they were looking for models at that yeah. time. And I didn't even know what it was, you know. So uh-huh. I asked her, and she's like, oh, you know, you, you try on clothes, they take your picture and they give you money. So I was like, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. So we went for a, an interview with Sylvia, both me, my younger brother, and uh, she took us onto the agency. And uh, I didn't really ever do much modeling, but uh, <laughs> kind of got into commercials, did some pop videos and uh-huh. uh uh, guest stars on TV shows and that yeah. kind of stuff. And uh, just, you know, kept rolling along until that was when I was eight. And then right. by the time I was 11, I was kind of working a lot. So we yeah. thought it was a good idea for me to go full time to Sylvia's school. Yeah, because you were pretty prolific on telly. Without this sounding horrible, you you were one of those faces and you, you just seemed to be on telly all the time, whether it was adverts or, as you say, the the one video was one, wasn't right. it? Uh, well, it was funny because Sylvia would get phone calls and uh, saying like, oh, do you, do you represent anyone like Desmond Askew? And she'd say, well, I actually do right. represent <laughs> okay. book And they'd say, no, we don't want him. He's everywhere. We want someone like him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and because... Well, I, I was just looking at your sort of your very early CV, and it was very sort of rock and roll heavy, wasn't it? Because you know you had the, the Bad Boys video, there was the Bill Wyman movie, wasn't there? Digital Dreams, and you were with in give my, give my regards to Broad Street. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I mean, did you get to meet those people? Oh yeah, I mean, I was I was on set with Paul McCartney for a month. Right. Uh, I think the. Uh, well, no, actually, that one we did reshoots. I, I think, honestly, Paul McCartney was having such a good time with that film that he kept right. coming up with new ideas right. and wanted new stuff. <laughs> so I think the production went over something like two years or whatever. Right. Wow. Was, you know, a brilliant time. But, yeah, I mean, basically at, at eight to ten years old, I wasn't fully aware of the, the legendary status of these people. Yeah. And so my dad, being sort of late 30s, early 40s, was just uh-huh. blown away. He was more starstruck than I was. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> Being there with Paul McCartney, with the Stones, you know, it was yeah. a, a big deal. And then when I did the Wham video, I had a, uh, my sister, I think, was about 19 at the time. Right. So she was like the total demographic for Wham. Yeah. So he was like, you're going to meet George Michael? And, <laughs> and even my wife, my wife is uh, from Greece. Right. So she, yeah. like when she found out I was in there, I'd never told her. And, 
I guess my mum found it on YouTube and sent right. it to me and I showed it to my wife and just said, oh, look, check this out that I did when I was small. And she couldn't believe it because he's a legend in Greece. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah so growing up, he was literally her number one. And she wow. was like, hey, George Michael. <laughs> Uh, and then, funny enough, 25 years later, he was doing a, a world tour to mark his 25th anniversary right. in the industry. And I managed to get tickets and backstage passes. And wow. so I took it and she met him and she just melted, you know, like, yeah, didn't come true. To, did, to did he remember you? Yes. Yeah. Right. I mean, I just said, I don't know if you'll remember me, but I played you in the Bad Boys video. And he kind of stepped back and took a look like that. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember you. Now. <laughs> oh, brilliant, brilliant! And then th there was one thing that I, I did want to talk to you about from your early career, and it was really, really, very, very famous. And it was Harry the Spider's coming out party. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's not Harry though; it's Harry. <laughs> Harry the Spider's coming out party. I think that's the thing that most people would remember you from, because that seemed to be on telly. For well, it years, was, didn't it? I mean, it, I don't even think it was on that long, but it did. Right. Like the commercial itself won lots of awards right. and really opened a lot of doors for me. People would have me at, at charity functions as oh, like right. appearance, and and all of those other jobs you mentioned the the Bill Wyman, and the Paul McCartney, the George Michael. They had all seen me in that commercial, and that's right. why they talked to me for their projects. But it was just, I mean, it was just a, a great idea. And the director was incredible. That was his first commercial that he ever right. shot. And he was winning awards left and right for yeah. you know how, how well he'd done with it. Oh, brilliant. I mean, one of the things I, I normally ask people about their, their early career is did you get to work with anyone uh, famous or you know, like big names? Or obviously, we've mentioned some there. But you also did things like up the elephants and round the castle, didn't you? You know, yeah, Jim Davidson, and and then I, I was looking at a, a couple of things. You and you worked with like people who who were in Grangeil before you and them were in Grangeil. There was a thing called Up Our Street, um, yes, yeah. and Lee Corns was in that, and yeah. Louisa Bradshaw White was yeah. in that as well. Well, I mean, Louisa and I, we we go way back. We're with Up Our Street. I think we did a couple of commercials together. Right. And every possible relationship that two kids could have. We, right. were, you know, we played brother and sister. Yeah. We played friends. We played twins in one thing. We oh, actually right. played twins in one yeah. of the Up Our Street episodes. And, and then when we, you know, got Grange Hill, booked it at the same time. Right. It was yeah. fantastic because we'd known each other for Probably at least 10 years by that point. Brilliant. And so was it only uh, television work that you were doing at that time then? Uh, well, I mean, there were the, the films, the Paul McCartney, right, and the, yeah. the Bill Wyman, the, they were films. But just television, my first theatre, well, my first real time in front of a live audience was probably Up the Elephant and Round the Castle. Right, okay. Though it's TV, it's, it's a brilliant, I, I miss the sitcom format because... It's the perfect like hybrid of uh, the doing theatre work and yeah. doing TV work. So you get the best of both because that you get that audience feedback immediately. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah. just you know the nerves of going out before them when you've never done this before. You've had your rehearsals, but you've never had a real audience there. Yeah. Before. So yeah. that was probably my first experience of a live audience. And then when I went to Sylvia's school at eleven, uh -huh. she used to do this annual show in the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, and and this was you know a, a really big introduction to theatre. Although it was 
you know, there wasn't too much pressure on that because it yeah. was all kids doing kind of song and dance numbers and nobody expected perfection except for Sylvia, actually. She was very <laughs> yeah. but, uh But no, it was, a, so that gave me like some experience to my first pro theatre was actually Les Miserables. Right. Wow. And they were, they were very nervous about hiring someone who'd never done stage before, right. you know. So, you know, I'd just say to them, say, well, I've, I've been in front of a live audience. I did yeah. TV in front of a live audience. I've done Sylvia's shows. About seven auditions later, they finally kind of capitulated and said, okay, we'll, we'll have you. <laughs> so, how, so how old were you then when you did that? I was uh, 13 by the time I did right. that. Wow, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So that's another one that's just a long, long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And if you notice, running, it's crazy. And, and like, you know, we mentioned Upar Street there. And was that where you did, did you do Simon and the Witch? Was that part of Upar Street? That was, yeah, one of our episodes. Up Our Street was like a little vignette, 15 yeah. minutes every week. Um, and one of the stories we did was the original Simon and the yeah. Witch. Um, and Joe Munro, who played the witch, was a fantastic actress. Yeah. Is a fantastic, but uh, so I was Simon, she was the witch. And they talked about like this episode was one of the better ones of that whole season of right. Up Our Street. And they talked about making it into a series. But by the time they got around to it, I was, you know, shooting up and my voice <laughs> was deeper. And so, well, okay, we're going to have to, you've aged out of this role. <laughs> yeah, because there was, I, I looked at that and. I don't know if it was just up our seats or just the Simon and the Witch episode, but like the cast of that, it, it seemed to be like loads of like children's TV sort of legends. Like Fred Harris was there, and yeah, uh, no, Nick... I, I mean they had like a little repertory cast. Yeah, and whatever the script demanded, it's like, oh, okay, ten-year-old boy, we've got Desmond. You know, eight-year-old yeah. girl, we've got Louisa. Or... Yeah. Whatever, but we would all. So I, I don't think anybody was in all of the episodes. Right. It was like a little play every yeah. week, and it's like, oh, okay, I've got this week off because there's no need for a boy. Yeah. Brilliant. I was just looking at the names and like you know, like Carol Leader and Vicky Lickerish and Kate Copstick, and for someone yeah. like yourself who was a child at that time to then yeah. see these people from the telly and then be working with them as well. I mean, you said a little bit earlier, you didn't really get the magnitude of of the the rock stars yeah, they were just like my friends like right. uh, i remember lee corns long before Granger when we yeah. were doing one of the up our streets and he had a hacky sack you remember these, these yeah 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 that you try to keep yeah. up in there and and he would just that was just how he kind of chilled out between scenes or whatever and i was just kind of like, oh wow what's that and uh, you know the next day he came in and he bought me one oh, and, uh, brilliant. Like a buddy so by yeah. the time we're on grain hill together once again it's it's like a little community that we'd all yeah. and the bbc was was very good with that they they'd always like to help out their own people who uh -huh. they'd worked with before and knew were solid yeah oh no quality and i, I was just looking again you know you were in all in good faith with richard Bryars and pam ferris oh. As yeah. well, like, and then, you know, there was various other things. And you weren't in Grange Hill until, well, 1990, you would have been filming it. Had you had, had you ever auditioned for it before then? Well, I'd never actually auditioned. Uh, yes, I must have auditioned. Because what the first job I ever did was a, a billboard photographic campaign for Stork Margarine. Right. Um, <laughs> after I'd done that day, I mean, it was, it was very much how my mum had described it, that... Uh, you know, I'd had my photo taken all day and these 
photographer, you know, was just, oh, that's great. More of that. Do that. Oh, fantastic. And, and you're just getting this constant kind of praise and yeah. love for for just, I, I mean, my role was literally eating a cake. <laughs> um, I, I, they're paying me to eat cake and telling me I'm great at it. This is brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and I said, I remember on the drive home, uh, I remember saying, it's like, oh, maybe one day I could be in Grain Chill. Right. And that was at eight years old. You know, yeah. I obviously wasn't even old enough at that point. And then around about when I was 11, when I would have been kind of eligible, I did go for an audition, but it was kind of like a, a big, it was one of these, I don't even think they were auditioning for specific roles. There was nothing uh -huh. to read. They just wanted to meet kids. And, uh, and so I went in and uh, I met with them and they came back and they offered me what was in those days called a special extra role. Right. So you were, you were background, but every once in a while they'd give you a line uh -huh. uh, or a couple of lines or be featured in some way. And at the time, uh, and I think still now, you were only allowed as a child, if you were under 13, you could only work a maximum of 40 days a year. Right. And so this would have taken up my entire 40 days. Right. And so I, you know, we spoke to Sylvia about it and she said, like, honestly, have confidence in yourself. You're doing so much other stuff right now. Uh -huh. You don't want to to just kind of sign all of that away just to be on Grange Hill, even though, you know, it was huge. And yeah. every, every kid wanted to be on Grange Hill. Yeah. So I actually turned it down then. Right. And, and, you know, other I, I kind of slipped more into theatre while I was at drama school. Um, and literally within a few months of me leaving drama school, the role for Richard came up. I was, I, I think I was 16 or something. And, right. uh, and so this obviously was a principal role, and yeah. I, I had a, I had bills to pay. Now, I'm just, I'm just going to let you get, let you sort your timeline out a little bit there, because it went on air in 1991. So you probably were filming it in 1990. Yes. So how? So without being too rude, how old were you at that time? Uh, I, in 1990, I was uh, 17. Right, so I right. school at 16. Uh, my birthday's in December, so, right. you know, I left school in the whatever around the summer. Uh -huh. Six months later, I turned 17, and it was just after that that the season would start. I think it was like February to November yeah. was the season. Yeah, the January it normally went on. Right, fairly yeah, late. The, So, Because um, I was looking as well, and obviously, you know, you mentioned about the child working laws early on, and you normally you got blocks. But you were on Grange Hill for four years. Yes, um, and there was a total of eighty episodes over this the four series. You were in seventy five of them. Wow! So, was like, that <laughs> so, it was up there. so, so you you know the child working laws had obviously you know it bypassed you at that point, and they oh yeah, age and stuff. Gets, I think you get more days when you get to thirteen, so right. you're then <laughs> eighty days. I mean, you still have to do your schoolwork on yeah. set and everything, but. Uh, but yeah, once you hit sixteen, it's like all better <laughs> off. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so when when you first started, you were you were older, like you were playing a a fourth year. The fact that you were seventeen, yeah, yeah. and you must have known a, a lot of the people then who were who you were working with. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, even uh, you know Kelly George, who I was often with, Paul Adam, Paul Paris. Uh, 
those guys I'd kind of grown up with as well. Uh-huh. We'd the same auditions. We'd sometimes work together. And yeah, so I, I, I knew almost everyone in it. You right. know? And then, yeah. then, you know, other people I became friends, uh-huh. like, uh, like Rachel Victoria Roberts, uh, uh, Josh Fenton, uh-huh. uh, Ian Congdon Lee. They all kind of became friends, but right. but they because they were the, it was very much like a different sets for different schools. So like Rachel was Italia <laughs> Conti, right. Josh was Anna Cher, yeah, uh, with the Sylvia Young group. <laughs> you know, but, but once you get to a certain age, it's like oh, we're done with school now. We just we we can cross those lines. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so, uh, so so to you, it mustn't have been really like you know. I don't want to say it wasn't a big deal because it was Grange Hill at the end of the day. It was a massive, you know, massive, massive programme. Yeah. But did you sort of, did you fit in quite easily because you already knew a lot of them there? Yeah, I mean, there, there was that. It was definitely, I, I knew so many people and it was familiar. I'd worked at, at Elstree Studios before, uh-huh. Wood Studios. But uh, yeah, the other part of it was that because I was now an adult technically yeah. I, mean, I was only 17 but but as far as the work goes once you're 16 it's you're, you're a grown-up you make your own yeah. decisions and uh, so there was that as well so, so now I didn't have to do the three hours of tutoring or whatever right. which <laughs> bad side of that is you as an adult you have to work around those kids like no we right. can't do this scene now because the kids have to do their school work and yeah. so I'd have to sit around for three hours right <laughs> Their maths assignments, you know? yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was all good. <laughs> uh, you've mentioned some names there earlier that that you know the people that you were working with, but I, I said this to Claire Buckfield the other week. The, the sort of the cohort that was your year group, that was really strong, wasn't it? When you look and the fact that you had yeah. Jay, Claire and Julie at Buckfield, and you had Rachel Victoria Roberts, Sean Maguire, Paul yes. Paul uh, Paris, Louisa, Bradshaw White, Rebecca Joy Gilgan, Kelly George. They were it was a real, really strong bunch of actors to be working with. I like, think so. Yeah, I mean there seemed to be more in our year, more yeah. people. And I don't know if that's even the case, but it's you know, they, they it always seemed to me Grange Hill would focus on maybe three, four, five people yeah. in each year. And and with us, we had like ten. 10 yeah, or 12 yeah. of people that were like getting really strong storylines uh-huh. and handling them well. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about Richard there because when Richard first came into it, he wasn't introduced as this is Richard. He's a new lad. It's like, it was like he was someone that was already at Grange yes. He was already yeah. a pupil there. And he, he was one of them characters. You didn't really know how to take him. At first, I mean, he was was he a bit of a con man? Was he just telling lies? You know, there was there was right. all sorts going on, and like you know, selling bits of rock that he that he said <laughs> yes. were from the, the Berlin Wall and things. And then you know, he became sort of friend, quite friendly with Matthew, who was friends yeah. with Tegs, and Tegs wasn't yeah. buying any of it, was he? He wasn't <laughs> buying anything that Richard came out with. You know, we had he said he had this customized radio control car which then mysteriously vanished and you just think it's just going to be everything's just a lie but then it did turn up yeah. but Teg still wasn't happy and I don't know if it was jealousy from his mate wanting to be mates with someone else I think that's or... what it was it was like a, a, a you know a bro love triangle yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but then he saw because he sort of admitted didn't he to Matthew he said he said it's not really lying he said I just get bored it was like he had a an overactive imagination 
shells. Yeah, it, like yeah, like a, an ADHD, ADHD yeah. or something, where it's just constantly, what can I, you know, what can I sell? What can I make? What can yeah. I, you know, just yeah, this this constant need for for something exciting, some some excitement yeah. in his life. Because yeah. then um, he told them that there was smugglers living next door, yeah. and and you know, Teg still wasn't having it, was he? But then Teg's left. So obviously yeah. Sean Maguire left, and it, it it's 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 like it made it easier for Richard to sort of make Matthew believe what he was telling them because Matthew yeah. ne- Matthew never had the voice of reason on on his shoulder anymore. There was this thing about the smugglers, and that was like quite a it was like the main storyline for 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 those lads running yeah. through yeah. it, wasn't it? Yeah, and it went he, through the whole year. Yeah, so. even though other things would happen, it would always come back to the smugglers were, yeah. were next door. Towards the end, you sort of get the feeling Richard knows that they're not really. And then there was the thing where they got into the shed where the smugglers oh, yeah. were, and they found costumes, which Richard then said, "Oh, they're disguises." <laughs> <laughs> And then they found a gun as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then it was sort of left alone because then they went to on the Dartmoor trip. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was uh, that was a fun trip. I was going to say, yeah, what well, you know, you must have had the ball out, out there, like on that. Yeah, I mean, we the, the the thing I remember most is when we're you know I I think we're running away from what we think is the smugglers. They've chased us. Yeah. They've chased us all the way down to Devon. You yeah. know. <laughs> Uh, and then we're running and we end up I think that was the payoff for the whole thing is like with Richard telling all these porky pies yeah. was to the, I ended up in this uh, swamp or something like yeah with the uh, with Ray and it was <laughs> freezing was it? <laughs> I do remember that it was freezing Dartmoor in probably November or something <laughs> yeah right the night before Richard had been looking for a way to sort of toughen Matthew up a little bit and and make right. him grow, make him grow up a bit, and he he said that he thought he'd seen some lights which were like flashing in the dark in the distance, and he said it, it, it was like similar to what the smugglers had been using, right. but they'd got Ray to dress up as, as the Mad Axeman because Nick had told a story the right. night, the night <laughs> yeah. before, but it it didn't work, and Matthew couldn't understand why Richard, who was his mate, had, had done that to him. Yeah, um, he got very upset. Yeah, yeah, but then. The smugglers showed up in the school, and it turns <laughs> out that they were like a, a, an acting company, a traveling um, theater group. Yeah. yeah, that was it. Um, and, there's and, your costumes, there's your guns. <laughs> yeah, but it was like Richard knew that because in the end, like Matthew went for Richard, didn't he? And he, he said, "Yeah, that, you know, he he said, don't you ever do anything like that to me again?' Like, um. Yeah. But as you say, Richard was just trying to sort of toughen him up and you know make him make him grow up a little bit. Like it kind of did, <laughs> if you yeah. look at it that way. The fact there's another there's there's another thing I like towards the end of that series where the lad from Dartmoor, Jamie, turns up. Oh and yes, yeah. He he says like he, he said, "I'll come to school for the day," and he's like, "I'm not going to get away with it." So they're all there lending him bits of uniform. <laughs> for for him to, to get through the day because I remember as a kid very early on when I was watching Grange Hill there was an episode where Zamo and Jonah went to another school and were like and, and I remember thinking at the time why would you do that but then that actually happened in my school the school yeah. I was, a lad came to our school from another school and got away with it I think he did about a week 
before the teachers got wind. Like, um, well, Cameron Crowe did it, didn't he? <laughs> was it was it Fast Times at Ridgemont High? One of those high school films. Right. He left and he had a job as a journalist, but <laughs> went back in as a student and just documented everything, and nobody knew. Nobody. Oh. Found it. <laughs> he built a career on it, like that was the start of his career. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I just always dead funny because there's all bits and all that. One of them's just got a blazer and a tie on, and the other one's got jeans on, and I, and I yeah. love that. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the end of the year was Mrs. McCluskey's leaving do. Oh yeah, like <laughs> like Gwyneth Powell came on the podcast, and I absolutely just fell in love with her while she I was on. Like, yeah, and and everyone who met her just said, like, you know, what you saw was what you. There was no side to it, and is is that what you found as well? Absolutely. I mean, it's even actually I was probably more starstruck meeting her for the right. first time than I was with a Paul McCartney. Because I, I think Grange Hill was so ubiquitous in, in people of our ages yeah. life that it was almost like you went there. That was your school. <laughs> it, it was an extension of it. You'd come home from school and then you'd watch this other school that you felt a part of, yeah. you know, you you had a crush on this girl or you hated that bully. Yeah. It really was personal. And and yeah, so meeting her was just like, oh, wow, this is the headmistress that I've been scared would catch me doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. Ever since I can remember. You know? Yeah. No, she was there. Uh, she was great. Um, okay. So then that moves us on to the next series where Richard sort of his business side came out. A little yeah. bit more in this one. We we had the introduction at the start of Natasha coming in, Natalie's twin sister. But then Richard and Maria decided they were going to make fake American trainers, whatever they are. It's just they, they have a thing over here, or they, they used to, someone told me about it, called a bedazzler, right. which is, you know, you take something plain and it sticks on kind of like rhinestones or sequins. Or, and we were just bedazzling, you know, like, British home stores trainers. Yeah. <laughs> That's essentially what it was. Because obviously there was Miss Janowitz was there at the time, an American teacher, and, and, and Ray, oh, fancy, yeah. Ray fancy there. So they took advantage of that with Ray and they got Ray to pay £120 for a <laughs> pair of trainers in 1992, by the way. That, they must be worth about 700 quid now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <that's cool>. yeah. <laughs> That was because I, I, I looked at it the other day and 120 pounds in 1992 that, that extortion and he bought them, but strangely enough, he didn't manage to sell many others. No, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> <laughs> but that, but that, I mean, that, that was a, that was a thing with Grange Hill, wasn't it? There was always, there was always a wheeler dealer somewhere, yes, um, in yeah. Grange Hill, and it just so happened to be a uh, it just so happened to be Richard and Maria. <laughs> well, we had the year, pizza like... business as well at one point, didn't we? Where yeah. we were, we were selling pizzas on, like basically yeah. in the middle to, to the school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The school lunches was lousy, so we we send someone down to the pizza shop. Yeah. And... <laughs> I say there was always something, and again, yeah. like in, in, in your school, there was always someone selling something. Wasn't yeah. there? Whether it was part of videos or whatever, there was, there was always yeah. someone. Doing something like that. And, of course, that year as well, Series 15, the main thing running through it was the uh, like the gang fighting and the, and the, the feuds between the schools, between right. Great Jilla and, and, and St. Joe's. And uh, Richard seemed to be the only one worried that things were going to get out of hand. And he tried to, uh, you know, he, he tried to talk to 
the lads a couple of times and it was just falling on deaf ears. So I think Richard just went with it in the end yeah. as well. Like, because he oh, was. Like I told you, you know, you might not agree with the war in principle, yeah. but you got to fight it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. He, he, he was quite often the voice of reason because he obviously he told Ray that he needed to forget about Miss Janowitz, yeah. even though, you know, he was besotted. And then there was the gang fight on the waste ground between Grangehill and St. Joseph's. Now, when Alan Cave was on the podcast, yeah. he talked to me about this filming, that scene with the big yeah. fight and the fact that they just bust in hundreds of kids from all over. Yeah. And, and he said he was genuinely terrified of a, <laughs> of a lot of them lads. <laughs> yeah. Well, just... I mean, yeah, because there, there's... A, a... There is something to be said for 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 uh, the type of kids that it's just if they can get pop off a, a punch to one of the grand children, it's legendary status. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I broke so and so's nose, or I knocked this one's teeth that if it, whether it be Zamo, whether it be Richard, whether yeah. whichever character you know, but it and and sometimes that that still happens. I like in London, you see it that people. People are, you know, very well known. Sometimes they they won't go certain places because there are people out there that it's just if they can't be their friend, then uh -huh. it's like well they get some kind of notoriety by being their enemy. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's it can be dangerous, and yeah, especially when you when you <laughs> as well, they're very sort of vulnerable. But yeah, yeah well, I mean, I think the BBC did a good job of looking after us, but right. but yeah, we. we wouldn't have been, wouldn't have wanted to have been left alone. <laughs> oh, I mean, like Alan Cave at the time, he played tennis. He, he was a lot younger as well. He was, he was only yeah. about 11 or 12 as well. But he said he, he was genuinely terrified by these these lads that he just bust in from nowhere. <laughs> but yeah. And then, of course, two Grangehill fashion, the fight gets broken up by Justine and, and Chrissy coming and showing everyone Chrissy's baby. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Common decency there. Yeah. <laughs> and we've talked a little bit about Natalie and Natasha. Richard fancied Natasha something rotten, but it was, when it was her birthday, she just ripped the, the birthday card up in, fr in front of him. She didn't want to know, basically, did she? she uh... No, not for a long time. Not until the diary business. Yeah, she... <laughs> oh, blimey. We'll... oh, don't worry. We'll get on to that one. Uh... All right. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because it, it was sort of on and off with her. And, and then she agreed to go out with him. But then there was the public schoolboys turned up. Um... Right. By the way, Mark Warren. Nick Fletcher and, and Robert Hands as well. So like again, they brought in three, you know, three tremendous fellas. Um, yeah, play, playing them like, and then she was asked out by one of them, and by and she just said yeah, and, and forgot all about Richard and stuff. I think she just kind of saw Richard as like a little puppet that she yeah, could, she definitely yeah, she got know, I'll keep keep him close enough that he'll do what I want him to yeah, do, but I. Yeah. Really, I I mean, she and called then there was poor Maria was in love with Richard, yeah. and he had no interest in her. No, no, yeah, I, I, we've all been there, haven't we? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that was the thing. Natasha was going to babysit with Richard because he had to look after his little brother because his yeah. mum and his mum and dad were going to a concert, and I love this thing because Richard said that they're going to see Fleetwood Mac. Who were they? <laughs> <laughs> The irony is, at that time, I loved Fleetwood Mac. Right. I'd be listening to him all the time. But yeah, do you, think, do you think is that why Fleetwood Mac were chosen? 
shit. It might possibly have been because, you know, the writers always had their eyes on us and what yeah. we were actually talking about. And, uh, and you know, we try to incorporate that. They're, they're very sort of observant and very... Uh -huh. uh, the, use the kids themselves uh, yeah. as a real grounding for these characters. Sometimes. And sometimes it'll be a different real kid that they might, oh, that's a great idea, that's a okay. great story, that's a great trait, but we'll put it into this character instead. Yeah. And you kind of would see where it was coming from. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Gang fighting ran throughout that series and the fact Justine's boyfriend, you know, was killed. And for a kid's programme, again, you know, it was a big thing to take on. Wasn't it, you know, and, and that was the thing with Grangeal. It didn't shy away from, from you know, oh, things yeah. that were affecting I mean, even, people. Even Chrissy's pregnancy yeah. was a, like a big deal for a 14, 15-year-old girl with one of the six formers. Uh, like, was, yeah, they, they, they were never shy about it. And I think nowadays that might be a bit more difficult because there are so many voices that it's almost impossible not to yeah. offend somebody's sensibility. Yeah. Yeah, obviously the trainers ran throughout the series and they eventually made a, a big profit of £4 uh, on, <laughs> on, on, on the trainers. So we're moving on, because uh, obviously you did two years in sixth form then as well. And you mentioned the the diary business. And the sixth form episodes to me, there was, it was all about the hormones, wasn't it? You know, there was so yeah. much going on. Everyone fancied everyone else and some <laughs> people didn't fancy, you know, or, or they didn't fancy them and... It, it That's was, all very was, true to life, though, at that yeah. age. Um, <laughs> the fact that, you know, the diary went missing, and but Richard was, was determined to find it for Natasha because obviously she'd like him then. But then Fran and Maria had their own game going on about get you know. And it's just when you look at it, it's just triangles everywhere. <laughs> it was just yeah, exactly. there. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, like, you know, doing my research for this, I, I, it was so hard to keep up with. It, like literally, it was so hard to keep up. Oh, I mean, but everyone as well, with all their own motivations and yeah. what, who they want to impress or 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 to undermine. Yeah. Like, it's very Machiavellian that year. I mean, <laughs> one of the things I did like about the sixth form because I don't know, you know, if they would have done it earlier on when there was, but they showed them going out and yes, quite yeah. bit, and going to clubs and stuff, and, and obviously when like when I was in sixth form, that's what we were doing. As well, so I thought that it wasn't just the school and it wasn't just them down the park. It was the fact that you know they were young adults by now and and, and they were doing doing things and stuff. Well, that was that was the beauty of it with with going from as you say, eleven years old, you, you, the the first years up to the six formers, yeah. is there was something for everybody, uh -huh. and it, it's genius if you think about it to to get you you know you've got ten year olds and eighteen year olds watching yeah. the same show. That's incredible. Yes. Yeah. And then, and then, and also not just watching it. I mean, maybe the same. You know, you might have ten-year-olds to sixty-year-olds watching Baywatch, but but they don't feel as yeah. involved and as absorbed into it. Uh -huh. as, yeah, Ranger really kind yeah. of had that. Everybody had someone they identified with yeah. of every age group. Definitely, definitely. And Maria asked Richard out on the pretense that she was going to ask everyone to go to this club, and for age it was just the two of them, and they went for a yeah. dance and. And then everyone else turned up eventually because Richard had mentioned it to Justine. Right. <laughs> but it was like, I watched it and it was just like a slow dance. But it was, you're ready for this by two unlimited. And I'm thinking, you wouldn't be dancing like that to that song. <laughs> so, you know, like when, because, you know, programs have to get, you have, they have to get the rights for the music. 
was, yeah. was was music playing when you when you did those things? No, almost never is. But right. so they can get clean audio of of the people speaking. Many times, what they'll do is if they do know in advance what track they're going to use, they'll play 10, 15 seconds of it at top volume to get you in the mood, and then cut it as the scene begins. Just so, as I yeah. say, the sound department can get clean audio, and then they'll they'll lay it in over the top afterwards. Right. Okay. Because because I wasn't. I just thought. I, I'm not convinced that that's the music. No, I don't think, I don't think we even do. With that, I'm not even sure we even got the the little advance pump of it. You know, yeah, it's just, so it's... we don't know what they're going to be playing, so it's just like, oh, dance romantically or whatever. Wow, that looks like they're they're so into each yeah. other. I don't even care what's playing. Yeah, it was then discovered that Nick had pinched the diary and done all the photocopying and stuff, and. And everyone yeah. had fallen out with each other by this point. Yeah. Then good old Ray came to the rescue, brought everyone together by getting them involved in his brother's wedding. And <laughs> I like I love that episode just because yeah. there's so much goes on in it from the start to the end. That script, I still remember to this day, the last line of that script is one of the greatest lines I've ever seen, uh, I've ever read. And it's it's just a stage direction. It's not even a character's line, but it says at the end of that episode when the, the Ray's brother's ex is at the back of the church and she's all dressed in black. And yeah. that, the line in the script was, uh, and Vicky sits at the back of the church dressed all in black, looking cool as a cucumber, but much more sinister. And like, well, how sinister is a cucumber? You know, it's it's a genius line. <laughs> Cool as a cucumber, but much more sinister. <laughs> uh, not, not just a sinister cucumber, a cool sinister cucumber. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> I love that episode. The fact that Nick and Richard went to get suits, and the only suits they could get were proper born, like like groom and best man suits. So when they arrive yeah. at the church, the priest tells them to sit on the front row. I just loved all that, and especially with throwing Kelly George and Denzel Kilvinson into the mix as well. Like, oh, Denzel was just brilliant. Amazing. He did, he did so well with that role. It's just, it's one of those where you kind of take it up to the edge of what's believable. <laughs> right. Don't ever cross that line, but it's really on the edge. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. What a great character and what a great performance. Yeah, he was brilliant in that role. Like, yeah, as I say, it, I, I love that episode. It's probably, it is probably one of my favourite episodes, to, to be honest. Like, uh, it was one of those, I think every, like like the Dartmoor in, in season uh-huh. 14, there were event episodes yeah. that kind of everything, the season had been building towards this. Yeah. Uh, wedding was one of those event episodes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And you, and you get all the cast in, don't you, as well? I mean, yes. I know the, the teachers have their own thing going on that day yeah. as well, but all the kids, regardless what year they're in, all ended up with that wedding, didn't they? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, so we move on then to your final year in Series 17. And there was only a few of you left majority of people left that year so Natalie and Natasha had gone, Fran right. had gone Nick had gone and Ray had gone and there was really only Richard, Maria and Justine yes. left in the sixth form and Richard was now going out with Maria as well but one of the first things that happens in that series for Richard is he bumps into Mr Robson and Mr Robson said oh where are you going? He said I'm just going to play snooker down the snooker centre, and Mr. Robson says, would you fancy a game? And I just thought, 
you couldn't do that now because just a no. teacher just just saying to uh, you know one of his students, oh, let's go for a game of snooker. It's just it's it, it's just no. bizarre, like. Um, but it was, a, I mean, it's just a different world when yeah. you think of that, that's not even about the show, but just how much stuff has changed. Because yeah. I think, you know, maybe if you if you were 17, 18 and your teacher says you want fancy a game of snooker, if you, there was no harm in it. No. For, but, but I think, you know, obviously there is there are people out there who do want to harm children. Yeah. But there are also, there's the perception that people uh-huh. are, yeah. I mean, I, I taught myself, I, I, mm-hmm. I taught at Sylvia Young. Right. And I could not, you know, I might have a kid with an audition uh, on, you know, I'm teaching on a Saturday or something. The kid has an audition Monday or Tuesday of the following week. And they would ask me to run their lines with them and to give them some direction and blah, uh-huh. blah. But I was always very, very mindful of the fact that I cannot be in alone in a room with this yeah. child. I can't. I have to ask another, at least another child, to stay with us after the class to work on on uh-huh. their script. But uh, yeah, and that was. You, I, I just think that's, that that it's kind of become more and more and more. So it, like the it's as not as bad, obviously. But you know when you when you, there's there's so much motivation to protect the children. But also, I, I think for for any adult who might yeah. be accused of something like that, yeah. it, it, when they're innocent, it's it's awful. They're, I mean, there's no coming back from it. No. I really believe that that if if you get kind of accused of that kind of misconduct, it it, it yeah. sticks no matter what. No matter if if there's video evidence to the contrary, it's yeah. still. Sticks. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was thinking about when I saw that and I just thought, oh my God, just imagine that now. Like that would that would lead to a completely different story. Oh, yeah. at, at the time it was a it was a nothing storyline. Nowadays it would lead to something totally oh, different. No, I mean, even the, when I was teaching another time, there was uh, one of my students was in a play and it was yeah. a fair I think it was in Reading or something, so uh-huh. a, a fair way out of London. And I was her drama teacher and she's in a play. It makes perfect sense for her to ask me to come and watch the play. But she also had another drama teacher. And I said, look, if if we can both go together, yeah. we'll come and see your play because that that alleviates some of that. Yeah, I mean, not yeah. all of it necessarily. But uh, but yeah, I wanted to say I was I was proud of her achievements. I wanted to see her perform in this play. And so yeah, I got another teacher to go with me and it was all good. But even that now is just, you got to be really, really careful. Now, Richard's main storyline in, in, in the last year was, it was more about Maria and the relationship with Maria and the fact that Maria was finding her own identity. It starts off quite, she just starts wearing black and her, her eye makeup's a little bit darker and she's picking up like jewellery, which Richard's saying, oh, it, it's rubbish. And then she goes full goth. And Richard, yeah. Richard has a real, really hard time dealing with it, didn't he? And so did Maria's dad had a really hard time. And there's a conversation where Richard goes around to her house and they talk. They're talking about Maria, like she's not there, right? And and, and she is like, and it was very obvious then that it wasn't going to end well, was it? <laughs> Let's be honest, it, <laughs> it wasn't going to end well there. But he did convince Maria to join the choir. Yeah. Um, and they went to East Germany. Oh, um, that was fantastic. Did, I mean, you act- what a way did you actually finish. go? Oh, yeah. We right, were in a okay. town on the East German-Polish border called wow. Gerlitz. 
Um, we were there, I think it was about a week we were there, uh -huh. but just what an experience. I mean, it was, I don't even think, uh, no, I, th I think the, the wall had come down by that. Yeah, of course, because right. we were selling the bits of it. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, but it was, I mean, it was still very, very much uh, like that. The, the whole vibe was still very sort of Soviet and, and mm. authoritarian, uh, but just really, really interesting and beautiful place. Uh, just gorgeous, you know. And once yeah. again, that event episode where the, the whole season had been yeah. leading to. And, you know, we were, another one I was kind of starstruck with was who uh, wasn't on camera, Jonathan Cohen, who had done music for every kids show the BBC yeah. had done. And, and he was our, he, you know, kind of organized our choir yeah. and taught arts and was the musical director yeah. for that episode. Uh, and once again, this was just a guy who was a legend to me. He'd, yeah. he'd been part of children's television for my whole childhood. Uh -huh. yeah. Brilliant. And then when they were there, that was when sort of Richard and Maria, you know, talked and decided that, it wasn't that they were going to break up but stay friends because Maria had, Maria had spent the night with someone else, although nothing had happened right. um, yeah. back in England. Like, But yeah, they decided to break up and stay friends and then the series ended and Richard left Grange Hill. And though obviously, age-wise, it was the right time for you yeah. to leave. But how did you feel about leaving? Uh, well, I mean, I missed it because it was it was something that was just it was a constant that, you know, and I guess it probably wasn't as constant as I thought it was, because, right. as you say, there were other years. I mean, like I'd seen uh, I'd seen Sean Maguire leave and he was a big, very well followed character. And then I'd seen other people leave the, when you say about the, the Fran and Chrissy, all of these characters yeah. that had left when before really they were aged out of the series uh -huh. uh, but but it still felt constant to me and i guess you know if if i hadn't been asked back for sixth form or if i hadn't been asked back for the second year of sixth form something would have come up you know i, I yeah. would have done something different but it did feel very constant very familiar very it felt like home i mean yeah. it was so uh, confident in in our surroundings there. That was uh -huh. what, I mean, we could just walk up to the producer's office and the door was always open. And we'd walk in and say, oh, Albert, can I talk to you about this? Or Albert, we have an idea for a, a charity thing. Like well, there was one time Louisa and I wanted to uh, do a parachute jump right. for children and me. And, it's the, and most of the time, Albert was, was very, uh, it was, was very encouraging of anything we wanted to do for charity and, and where he said like he's like desmond i don't be ridiculous like, you can't get this production insured if you two are jumping out of planes you know <laughs> but, uh, and he was i mean albert was a legend as well we'd go into his office and you know just just to chit chat sometimes yeah. but uh i think it was uh five to four or whatever pingu would come on the animated penguin yeah. and he'd turn on the tv in his office and we'd all have to watch penguin <laughs> I love that. and then you know he'd turn the tv off and he's like okay where were we <laughs> Brilliant. so could you talk to him about like 
your character and what you think your character should be doing. Did you have any sort of input in that? Yeah, I mean, there was, if, if there was anything that, like, maybe we didn't feel comfortable... Uh, and I mean, there was nothing, never anything that made us feel uncomfortable personally. Uh-huh. For, for me, as an actor, to, conv- to, to be good, you've got to convince other people that what you're doing is real. Yeah. And in order to convince other people, the first person I have to convince is myself. Uh-huh. And if I've been kind of playing this character with this core belief and suddenly he does something completely different with no explanation, then it's going to be hard for me to convince myself to, to be in that character. And so things like that, yeah, they were very uh, welcoming, very open door policy about that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And most of the time they would get what they initially wanted but sheerly through talking and sheerly through explaining and that well the reason we're doing this or the reason we think your character has done this 180 is because this might be happening in their life and it's more that explanation and uh, just to make me feel good about it i mean they they pay me to say the words they write i've always been very (laughs) realistic about that but at the same time i want to do a good job so i need that explanation i need to have those chats with uh-huh. directors or in the case of a long-running show more likely the producers but yeah i i, I think they 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 really they didn't treat us like kids i guess yeah. is the, the takeaway is they they really you know gave us autonomy over, yeah. over what we were doing over over our over our characters and yeah. So yeah, Brilliant. they had they had the ideas, but at the same time, it, it required everybody to sign off on them. I think. Yeah. Uh, really, to to be given that much respect at that age is uh-huh. is incredible. Yeah, it's definitely. Really yeah. yeah. So you left Grange Hill, and did you know? I mean, obviously, because you've been doing it for that long, but did you know that this is what I want to do? I'm going to carry on doing this because oh, I know, yeah, like, some think... some some people leave, and it's not what they want to do. No, no, no. This was something from, as I say, from that first job where I was eating the cake. <laughs> yeah. it was a, I knew that being in front of the camera was was my thing, and, uh, yeah. and it was. It, I was always happiest either, you know, but in front of a camera or in front of an audience. It was yeah. just I, I loved being able to have that effect on people, whether it was in Les Misérables, where. I'd have people at the stage door still with like ladies with mascara down their cheeks. I cried so hard when you died. And, it, <laughs> and it's, I didn't want to make you cry, but at the same time, I did give you that couple of hours of escaping every, all the problems and nonsense in your life. You can just put it out for like, it's an incredible power to have yeah. Really, yeah, or to make people just laugh when you know, they might have a relative who's close to death or something, but just for that half an hour of watching that show or for that two hours of, of watching that play in the theatre, they do manage to just extricate themselves from the, the challenges of life and just be in it, be, be yeah. you know, surrounded by that. Yeah. So that, that was always what attracted me most. I, I loved it. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you, you have carried on after and, and looking at like your CV, sort of after Grange Hill with the islands and the bill. But then your big thing was 1999 when you were in Go. Would you say that yes. that was like sort of... I, I hate using this phrase. Is that what changed things for you, would you say? Uh, I mean, it, it certainly changed my my day-to-day life and my surroundings because right. I'm no longer in London. And uh, it, was, <clears throat> it was an incredible experience, that whole ride of... Uh-huh. 
I mean, every, I was the same as everybody else, that Hollywood wasn't on the radar. Which <laughs> right. is, maybe EastEnders would be or Emmerdale yeah. or something. But it's, you don't think Grange Hill and, like, next step is Hollywood. But uh-huh. I, after Grange Hill, I kind of went back into theatre for a while. And I, I remember I'd just gotten back from, uh, I think it might have even been Panto. But it's I just, I just right? yeah, yeah. I'm like 12 weeks down in Portsmouth or wherever. But uh I, you know, I came back and there was this script on my mat with all my other mail and uh-huh. I it. and uh, my agent had, had called me before I'd left the South Coast and said, we've got this script for you. Take a look at it. Let us know if you're interested. We'll put you on tape for an audition. The director's in L.A. And so and I read this script and I was just like, this would be the coolest thing to do is, yeah. you know, threesomes and Ferraris <laughs> and and Las Vegas uh, I just thought this this would be amazing so uh, and then I was you know I was lucky enough that I fit the director's vision for for that role and got hired and then and then the casting director actually said to me he said you could you could do well here yeah. you consider but but it's not I mean it, it's not like it was now where you can have a zoom meeting with someone five yeah. thousand <laughs> You had to send a videotape, literally a VHS, put it in the mail, wait two or three days for FedEx wow. to get it. Yeah. And he would have to look at it and then maybe give me a call with some direction. And then I make a new tape and then have to send that one. And it was just so slow. So the casting director said, you you have a future here, but you have to be here. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have too many ties. Like I had no. to sell my house, but uh, you know, I didn't have a wife and family that I could, mm-hmm. that I would have to drop to, in order to come here or yeah. bring uproot from schools and stuff. So I just thought, why not? You know, it's, a, I mean, I love it here. I love the weather. <laughs> yeah. anyway, it's been a bit of a cold and wet winter this year. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I thought, why not? It's just one of those things when life hands you an opportunity like that, you've got to take it. It was the same with going to Sylvia's drama school. Yeah instinctively i wanted to go to the local comprehensive where all my friends were going to go and i got this offer and it's you you something you think like you know that's my instincts here are those of a child i need yeah. to this is a great opportunity and i need to look at it in an adult way yeah and uh, wherever it may lead because otherwise you find yourself maybe 30 40 years later thinking oh if I'm yeah yeah yeah, and yeah, and that that that's the worst thing, isn't it? Is, is yeah. having that 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 sort of I should have done it. You've done quite a bit then, and you were in Roswell, and you were in Charmed. Yeah, and, and I've never watched this because I read the synopsis on it. I thought I can't watch that, but you were in The Hills of Eyes. As oh well. yeah, <laughs> oh, it's brutal. Um, yeah, yeah, at all squeamish. Don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I'll be honest. I I saw a screenshot of your character earlier on today. And I just thought, no, I've, I've made the right decision. Not watching that <laughs> film. Um, yeah, that was um, five hours of prosthetics to get it. How, uh, how long, sorry? Five hours. Wow. I would only actually shoot for a couple of hours each day because it was five hours to get on all of the, the makeup and yeah. spray painting my body. Like I was some kind of work of art or something. Right. Incredible effects. And then, and it would take an hour and a half just to get everything off, just wow. to get scrubbed off at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, blimey. As I say, apologies, I've never seen it, but there's no, no way I, there's, there's no <laughs> way I'll be able to. But as an actor, when you get a script like that, 
<laughs> like, what's your thought process when you realise just what it's going to be like? Well, uh, to be honest, the script doesn't even begin to <laughs> what you see on screen. Right. Uh, and I hadn't seen Alexander, the director, I hadn't seen his first movie at that time, which is also fairly <laughs> <It's black. okay. laughs> I'd seen the original Hills Have Eyes, and that's scary, but not quite so graphic. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, when I saw this, I mean, I was amazed it didn't get an X rating. Uh, it was, and then someone explained to me that often what they do is when they submit it to the, uh, is it the MPAA, the equivalent of the... Uh, BBFC, yeah, 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 rating, uh, and the the trick they use is that they'll submit it without audio, because right. all all the rating is what you're actually seeing. Yeah, and so if they submit it, you don't hear like the crunch of bones or the tearing of flesh, or yeah. the, you know. And so it, they they kind of they kind oh yeah well this is a bit nasty we'll give it an R rating. If they'd have put the audio on it, this would have been an X rating. <laughs> right, <it's okay. laughs> No, brilliant. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you've carried on acting, but but you've also now got, you know, a, another career within acting as well, which when I told me mate the other day that I was going to be interviewing you, he said, oh, he, he's a, he's a cracking video games voiceover. <laughs> he, he does all kinds. Yeah. So, yeah, so how, how, does, how does that come about then? Uh, well, I... I basically, I, I had a friend who was a casting director for Disney. Right. And, you know, I just kind of mentioned in passing, that it'd be great to do, a, you know, one of those animated movies that they have such great characters and great voices in them. And she's like, well, you, in order to do that, we, like we usually go to voiceover agents because I hadn't had a voice agent the whole time I'd been here. And so she hooked me up with this, with Sutton Bath and Venaria, one of the, the premier voiceover agents and I went in with them and met with them and they agreed to represent me and it really started to become more than the animation I started to book the jobs in in the interactive in the video game space yeah. uh, and I love it you know I mean you, you get up in the morning you go in there with your coffee you don't need to shave you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, it's just, you don't even need to learn your lines you can read them from yeah. the script but it I have a lot of fun doing those because, as you say, it's such a variety of characters where sometimes they'll use the same actor. Right. I'm working on one at the moment, actually. My last session was last week, and I think I probably did 15 to 20 characters. Wow. Because, I mean, you, you've been in some like you've been in some big franchises, haven't yes. you? You know, like Call of Duty and Medal of Honor, Resident Evil, you know. And is it easy for you now? As well, because obviously it's more voice work. Is it easier if it's to walk down the street? <laughs> like, you... Oh, yes. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Although, I don't know if you've ever heard the song, Nobody Walks in LA. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you drive everywhere. So, so I, yeah. I really walk down the street. <laughs> and, and am I right in thinking that you are officially a US citizen as well now? I am, yeah. I got uh, two passports. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Bond to have multiple. <laughs> I mean, they do. They do say your, your real name on them, don't they? Both of them. Yes, they do. They actually okay. <laughs> my American one. I'd had that for ten years, right. so it's about to expire. So I just got a new one. Uh, no, I renewed my American one last year, and I just renewed my British one. Right. Desmond, we we are coming to the end of the interview, and I've just got a, a few questions about Grange Hill now before I do them are you still in touch with anyone from Grange Hill? 
no, not on a regular basis. Right. I mean, uh, a few years ago when I was still kind of doing the the social media thing a little bit, I, I you know, just chat with someone once in a while, have a little DM conversation with Louisa yeah. or Rachel or... But uh, yeah, no, not generally. I mean, and then also the last few years, I went back to England in 2019 and yes. haven't been back since because then COVID happened. Yeah, of course, yeah. No, I, I, there's no way I was going to deal with transatlantic flights. In, <laughs> in, in, it's just too much hassle. But yeah, uh, yeah so my, my wife and I are going to be uh, making our, our, our return to Europe this summer. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so... I'll ask you these questions about Valkyrie Angel Lens. So, last year, um, I don't know if you saw this over there, but there's been talk of Phil Redmond is writing a Grange Hill movie. Oh, wow. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, why not? The, the show has a following that, you know, as I said before, it used to be 10 to 18-year-olds, but now they've all grown up. Yeah. And so the younger generation would be like, what's what's all this stuff my dad's talking about? You know, yeah. i got to check this out. But I think the mums and dads, I think it'd be a great family experience for yeah. you know, Brilliant. the older and generation. If you were asked, would we see a return of Richard? I'm sure we could come to some arrangement. <laughs> Brilliant. What, what do you think Richard would be up to now? Oh, wow. That is a, a good question. Uh I don't know. I th I think he would be. He always had that kind of duality to his personality. So he'd probably have a very solid, responsible job, uh -huh. and still be trying to pull some scam on the yeah. side. <laughs> probably a bit of both. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be trying to be, make it as a CEO somewhere, wouldn't he? Like he'd be he'd be trying to do something. Yeah. Or I mean, even just kind of like launching an app that's going to change the world. Yeah. <laughs> he works as like a, an account. Yeah. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Now, you, you mentioned it earlier on when you were very young, you said you think I'd be in Grange Hill. So, other than Richard, who was your favorite character on Grange Hill? Uh, I probably would would be cliche and go for Tucker because right, okay. he was the man when, when I was watching it, when I was starting to watch uh -huh. it. Yeah. Every, when we we used to play Grange Hill in, right. in okay. the playground, yeah, and all the boys would want to be Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> no, you were Tucker yesterday. I'm going to be Tucker today. <laughs> and so, if you couldn't have played uh, Richard, which other character would you like to have played? Uh, I I kind of like Josh Fenton's character more. Like, yeah, the bully. I mean, I think he did it really well. We became very very good friends for a right. long time. But, That's it. Uh, the thing I liked about Mauler was he was a very different bully to what he did in the past. Yeah, a bit more and, cerebral than you. Yeah, and, and a bit more comedic, wasn't he, than yes. like what, what you had before. Like, uh, well, that's great. Okay, so then the final question, Desmond. Why do you think there's still such affection for Grange Hill? As I say, I mean, we're talking like an entire generation. With, this was where, number one, TV was was a lot bigger you didn't get to choose your entertainment as much you had three four channels and uh and it was just a bigger deal even even primetime shows like they were events coronation street senders they they were big events back then and i think it's kind of how they say you know like get them when they're young is is that we felt such a part of it as an audience i'm talking about long before i was ever in it i felt so 
uh, engrossed in this show. And like, I was a part of it. I mean, it really felt real. That, yeah. That's comes that. So, and I think you, when you've, you know, when you've grabbed people's attention at that age from sort of 10 to 18, these are really formative years. And so they, they stay with you forever. And that's why I think, you know, maybe the movie would be a great idea because, yeah. you know, mums and dads taking their kids and, you know, the kids seeing something brand new that uh -huh. is obviously going to be more today and more up their street. But at the same time, the adults thinking, oh, this is just the same style and the same essence of what I grew up. With. I think it'd be a great bonding experience for families. Definitely, definitely. Well, Desmond, thank you so much for coming on. I think it's what is it midday where you are? It's uh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, just coming on to quarter to eight over here. Um, but yeah, I'll have <laughs> but, a beer oh, and a nice evening, and I'm gonna get another cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, thanks again for coming on. You know, giving us your experiences of your time no on on Grange Hill. It's it's been great talking to you. And for anyone that's listening. I'll speak to you next time. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.